Tanya for the fourth of my Cheshvan, but first the story. Rabbi Abahu and Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish were once um, traveling together to um, Caesarea by the sea. And Rabbi Abahu had been there before. He knew the people of the city weren't weren't behaving in an appro- in a proper way. They weren't dedicated to Torah and mitzvahs to the standards that they were supposed to. And he was very bothered by this, and he told Reish Lakish as they were approaching towards us. They said, "Maybe we shouldn't, um, maybe we shouldn't go near this place. We should stay away from this city because the inhabitants, the people that live in the city, they're cursing Torah and they're, and they're cursing the scholars who learn Torah. And maybe we should avoid this place." Reish Lakish stopped the the his horse his donkey, he got off the donkey, he bent down the ground, took a whole um, clod of dirt, of sand, and he shoved it into Rabbi Bol's mouth. And Rabbi Bol was so confused, he was like, what's going on? Why are you, th- why are you, why are you doing this to me? And Shimon told him like this, Rish Lakish told him like this, he said, Hashem is the God of the Jewish people, and he doesn't like anyone speaking bad about his children. Even if they do sins, even if they do various, they're still his children, and he continues to love him. Our job... Rish Lakish told Rabbahu, is to rebuke them and make them repent, but never to speak poorly of them. And Rabbahu realized Rabbi Shimon, Rish Lakish was right. Today we're starting uh, letter number 26. We finished letter, letter number 25, which is very long. And now letter number 26 is also going to be very, very involved. There's themes that cross both of them. Because the Tanya, because today's Tanya is very long, we're going to move a little bit quicker. And... We're going to be quoting a very long piece of Raim Nehem now, a very long piece of Zayel. Letter number 26. This comes from Raim Nehem, which is the halachic section of, of the Zayel, which was authored by Moshe Rabbeinu. Or Moshe Rabbeinu gave the speeches that were recorded were by Shem Bayechai. It says like this. It's talking about the times of Mashiach and it's invoking the book of Daniel who talks about the coming of Mashiach and the Zoya is explaining what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. And the one thing I guess we need to know is when Mashiach comes, there's going to be a big test between people choosing between good and evil. Well, this is only going to apply to regular people. As you're going to see, some people are going to be exempt from this massive test. <coughs> it says like this, and the wise are going to shine like the like the like the shining of the heavens. About this statement, the Zoya says, with this book, Roshim Bayachai's book, the Eo Sefer Isaiah, which is the book of the Zoya. Again, we're using the the terminology of the pasuk to 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 explain the Zoya is using that and saying, look, there's the word Zoya in the in the verse which is talking about, of course, the Zoya. Min zahara di ima ilot and this Zoya gets its energy from ima ila, which is uh, the the sphere of bina, which is also the location of chuvah. And we talked about this earlier in the section of chuvah. But ila for those people who learn the Zoya, says the Zoya, they're not going to be involved in this big test. This big trial that's going to occur when Mashiach comes, they won't be part of this trial because they're learning the Zayah. Uvegin, and that Zayah continues like this. Uvegin da asid nisol lemitan milan edachayot, the eo hai sefer Zayah, yipkun beim galusa berachmem. The Jewish people are going to, the Jewish people are going to taste the tree of life, which is the book of Zayah, and this is, they're going to be able to go out of Golos, they're going to be able to have Mashiach with mercy because of that. And it's going to be fulfilled about them. 
diverse Hashem bothered you and Hashem alone will lead them out and no strange God will be with them they're going to have a complete exile in peace with the coming of Mashiach now the Zoya is going to unpack this a little bit more and when Mashiach comes, the tree of good and evil, which is prohibitions and permissions, and pay attention to those words. He's saying the, good, the tree of good and evil, which is the sections of Torah that deal with what's permissible and what's forbidden, is not going to dominate the Jewish people. Nowadays, we're being dominated by, you know, you're allowed to do this a mit, a mitzvah, you're not allowed to do that, a veer, etc. Or you have to do this mitzvah. But when Mashiach comes, it's not going to be like that. Because when Mashiach comes, the sustenance of the Jewish people can only be from the tree of life, which doesn't involve any forms of evil. And it's like we said, the, the spirit of impurity can be removed from, from, the, from the world. So when Mashiach comes, we're going to be focused on Zoya-related topics and not on topics to do with, you know, is this permissible, is this not permissible? And again, that we're going to, we're just, right now we're just quoting the Zoya. The Alter, of course, is going to start asking a whole bunch of questions once this is done. And the scholars are going to not be sustained by nowadays or when Mashiach comes, focus about Mashiach. When Mashiach comes, um, the scholars are not going to be sustained, but from only the side of holiness. They're not going to be involved in getting any sustained from impurity or things that are pro- uh, prohibited or impure or not um, ritually um, fitting, etc. But nowadays, when the tree of good and evil dominates. Nowadays, unfortunately, this continues to say, uh, to scholars who are compared to the to Shabbos, they only get their sustenance from the weekday, which is compared to people that aren't scholars. So nowadays, if a scholar wants to learn Torah, he needs to go to someone who isn't a scholar and say, "Listen, you 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 have plenty of money. Are you able to help me so I can learn Torah?" That's not going to happen during during. Um, the coming of Mashiach. But nowadays, that's the circumstances. Just like on Shabbos, you only have on Shabbos this that you prepare in the weekday. If you don't prepare anything on Friday, you're not going to have anything on Shabbos. So too nowadays, if Tamidich HaChamim, if scholars want to be able to learn Torah, they need to go to people who are like the weekday and say, listen, I need to be able to learn. I'm Shabbos. You're the weekday. Help me prepare so I can learn Shabbos. When Mashiach comes, it's not going to be like that. And, but when Mashiach comes, it's going to be exactly the flip order. The people that compared to the weekday, people that aren't Tamir are only going to have this that the, that the scholars give them, and they'll be um, subjugated to them completely. And the, 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 this paradigm of, of impure and pure, it won't be removed from the, from the illiterate people. They're still going to have to be involved in this as the Zayah. Even once Mashiach comes, the Mitzatayahu, less Benga, Lusim, Mashiach, El Shiv, Malchus, Bavad. And the Zayah says, in regards to people that aren't Tamir Chachamim, there's not going to be any difference between the coming of Mashiach and before Mashiach, 
The only thing will be that the, the domination of the nations, that the Jewish people won't be subjugated anymore, like we were subjugated during exile. But in, other, in every other sense, the, the sense that you know, they're, they're going to be learning, they won't. They'll be still be learning the laws of what's permissible and what's forbidden, because they'll have to still be involved in it. The inun, loy tarmim ilon dechayim, v'tarech loy nisan b'isa v'heta tuma v'tahara ad kan b'rayim ahemna. So they, had, they hadn't tasted from the Zoya during the times of Golos, and therefore they'll still have to require to learn Mishnayas because they'll have to know what's permissible, what's forbidden, what's impure, what's pure, etc. In order to know this, they have to learn these halachas. And therefore, even when Mashiach comes, the illiterate people are still going to have to be involved in Mishnayas, unlike the, the scholars who involved in this, who involved in themselves in Zaya, they'll be able to only learn the Zaya. That's the Raya Mehemna, this large quotation. And now the Atrab is going to be asking a whole bunch of questions, but there's going to be one question that's going to really dominate the conversation, and I'll tell you outside before we read it inside, and that's going to be, how could we call Torah the tree of good and evil? Are you implying that this Torah has some connection to evil? Isn't Torah absolutely pure? Any part of Torah, not just the Zoya, but the Mishnayas and the Gemara and the Torah, the Torah that we read out of, all of it's absolutely holy. All of it's the tree of life. How could we possibly, how could the Zoya possibly be calling any section of Torah the Torah of good and evil? Any person that lacks understanding, first glance at the Zoya would imply that learning sections of, of, Torah, for example, ritually pro- uh, prohibited sections, like for example the, the section of the Haris, would imply good and evil. That says, aside from the fact that this is wildly surprising in and of itself, says, we have a basic fundamental precept in Judaism that the entire Torah is called a tree of life that those that hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every section of Torah is a tree of life. So why are we calling only the Zoya the tree of life and not the rest? This is basics. Uberfrat, and al says, do you want to get technical? Let's get technical for a second. Wait a second. The Zoya was still concealed in those days. After Hashem Bayechai, the Zoya became hidden, and for the next thousand and change years, the Zoya was not found, which meant for a thousand years, the greatest rabbis in Jewish history didn't learn the Zoya. And even the time when it was revealed, it was only hidden, it was hidden from practically everyone, only the people that were extremely elevated, they can learn it with a whole bunch of conditions in private, after a certain age, in, in private locations, after a certain accomplishment, etc., these are, it was pretty much entirely inaccessible. Even before it was hidden, it was entirely inaccessible. Like the Gemara says, it was done in a concealed manner, not publicly. So it was, in, it was entirely inaccessible. So how is it possible that, that we're saying, well, only the people that learn the Zoya, those are the people that, that are going to, you know, be able to really learn the tree of, the, the tira of the of tree of life. In fact, the Arizal says that in the olden days, it, it, it was uh, only in the later days is it permissible, even an, ob- uh, an obligation to reveal these secrets to the Torah. But the earlier generations, this absolutely was not the case, and only extremely elevated people in extreme privacy and, and um, you know, literally was taking so many precautions would learn these um, 
himself writes in the Zoya that it's only permission, only been given permission for him and his friends to read the Zoya. No one else has permission. And this is additionally, this is giving me it's so so wondrous. According to this, Zoya seems to take the absolute precedence. And if a person's learning, a person's davening, based on the secrets of the Zoya, that would take precedence over the learning of Torah. Seemingly, because Torah is, you know, the tree of good and evil, seemingly. Of course, our Torah is going to answer that it's not. And the Zoya is a tree of life. So you're doing something Zoya-related, well, that takes complete priority. But say, hey, no, of course, that isn't the case. Torah study for someone whose life is dedicated to Torah, any form of Torah, as we're going to qualify, it absolutely takes precedence over Zoya related and prayer. And the Gemara tells us that and, and his friends and anyone that's dedicated making his entire like um, um, business Torah, they don't stop for prayer. And even people, even rabbis that are only dealing in financial related civil laws, they still don't stop. Rabbi Yehuda is a very famous rabbi, an Amari living in Babel. He was entirely dedicated to monetary related laws. The Chulatanobin is in Hava. He was in the 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 section of damages was his specialty and that's all he learned all day. And nonetheless, he would only pray once every thirty days when he was reviewing. He would do re- reviews of what he was learning every thirty days. And when he was doing his reviews, he was like, okay, well I'm only doing reviews. So I'll stop prayer for a few minutes and I'll stop um learning for a few minutes and I'll do prayer. But the rest of the time when he was actually involved in not doing rev- re- review, he wouldn't pray. And Roshim HaYechai, if you open up the Yashalmi in the first chapter of Brachas, you literally see Roshim HaYechai's opinion. The same one who wrote the Zayah who said that the Zayah is the, 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 the most important thing, the tree of life. He says that for Shema, there's certain types of Torah you can stop and certain types of Torah you can't stop, which may make a clear indication that he believes that Mishnah is a good enough reason the laws of evil and uh, of, of of purity and impurity permissible and, imp- and and not not permissible is a good enough reason not to pray and the other says even in this this is actually brackets he says he's even contradicting himself because he calls the Mishnah uh, a handmaiden while calling the Torah itself a queen uh, the 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 Kabbalah queen and the Torah king, and and Dalton explains, you know, what the source of of uh, the Kabbalistic source of all of this is. But what we're seeing is the Torah is the greatest level, and Mishnah somehow is able to um, override prayer. Torah isn't. But in short, what we're definitely seeing is the Torah 
is the is so important. It's a tree of life and it's able to stop a person from prayer. Of course, now this doesn't really apply, but in the olden days, when people were really dedicated to Torah, this, this was a real situation. Now you're going to say, Roshimayachai held that only the Zayha was special, not the, all the discussions of what's permissible and not permissible. Open a Mishnah, open a Gemara. You see just how much Roshimayachai himself dedicated his life to understanding basic laws of permissibility and impurity, Rishim Ayachai is such a prolific author of so much halacha related to permissible and, impu- and, and forbidden. Why would we possibly suggest that only the Zaya is the tree of life and not this one? Rishim Ayachai himself dedicated so much time towards it. <coughs> And he did this also while he was in the cave. Rosh Hashem famously spent 12 years plus another year inside of a cave. And he spent so much of his time in the cave, not just learning the Zoya, but learning Mishnayas as well. It was actually the, the fact that he went in the cave that he was able to make such great accomplishments in learning of Mishnah. Mishnah. There's a story in the Gemara. Every question that his father-in-law, son-in-law asked him, he, he answered with 24 solutions. He asked one question, he answered 24 solutions. Vaamullah, told him, you want to know how I'm able to answer all these questions? Had you not seen me like this? After 12 years of, of uh, 13 years inside a cave, it wasn't easy being in a cave like that for 13 years. It took a toll on his body. But he said that toll enabled me to be able to answer 24 answers to every question that you're asking me. The Gamba Emes Akach, and after ever puts in brackets, and he says, additionally, let's get a little technical about the time in the cave. The time when Rabbi Shema Yechai and his son spent in the cave, most of the time they learned with Mishnayas. What's the proof of this? The 600 um, sections of the Mishnah, we only have six sections, but the 600 sections of the, of the Mishnah, 60 sections, but the 600 sections of the Mishnah that existed before Rabbi Huda and Nasi kind of uh, compacted them, that's what he spent most of the time learning. Because if Rishim Echai was learning the Zoya, then because if he was, was spending his time learning the Zoya, he would have learned the Zoya two or two, um, one or two times, two, or two, two to three months. Why? Because he would never repeat the subject more than once or twice. Rishim Bayechai wasn't a regular human being; he was Rishim Bayechai. He would have learned the Zoya, repeated it a second time, and that's it. After two to three months, he's done. Because what else is there? For, so what did he spend the bulk of his time doing? Learning Mishnayas. And Al-Tarab finished off with one final, very obvious point about why we can't say the tree of, um, the Torah, any section of Torah is a, is a tree of good and evil because of the very famous statement of the rabbis in the Gemara that says, from the time when the base of was destroyed, Hashem Shechina could only be found Hashem can be found in the four cubits of halacha, which obviously shows that every section of Torah, even halacha, is the tree of life. So in short, we brought a Zoya, and the Zoya was talking about the coming Mashiach, and the Zoya talks about the, Zoya, the specialty of the Zoya in contrast to regular halacha, and the regular halacha is described as the tree of good and evil, and asks after a whole bunch of questions saying, how could we possibly call regular halacha the tree of good and evil? It's impossible. The t- regular halacha is the tree of life, just like the Zaya is.
So, of course, we're going to have to answer those questions. Thank you so much for coming, Natanya. Natanya is in the Lenisha Shashana, Yav, Hanum Shalom, and Salaf, and Zuchat, 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 and Z